Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now arriving on Cultaholic Island, it is a flying trip because this Saturday all eyes are on Newcastle-upon-Tyne for North Wrestling Thunderstruck, North Wrestling's biggest show ever at the Walker Dome. And this guy carries the company into it as well. He is the reigning, defending, undisputed North Wrestling champion. He will headline North Wrestling's biggest show ever. It is the one and only postmodern professional wrestler, a postmodern professional wrestler in Liam Slater. Liam, how you doing? Hey, Tom, I'm good, thank you. Well done on the A postmodern professional wrestler, not the postmodern, A postmodern, but thank you. How are you today? Mate, I'm buzzing. It's a nice excuse for us to chat. And if you are a Patreon, you'll see the video version of this. If You may see some clips of this on Twitter as well. Liam Slater is talking to us from probably a place he spent a lot of time, more so this week than ever. We are at Pursuits. We're at PPW. This is Liam Slater's wrestling school. Uh, what's the uh, what's the mood like today? What's happening at PPW today? Um, so we've just got an evening session on today. Um, so I'm just down here making sure that everything's ready. This is my full time job. This is what I do. So I wrestle and I teach people how to wrestle. Um, so yeah, I'm just down preparing for the week that's in front of us. Um, and then we're in today, tomorrow, double session on Thursday, and then Saturday I'm here, and then I'm coming up to Newcastle. So busy all week. I'm getting some sort of noises in the background. Is that from... So that is a train that's flying by. Oh, nice! <laughs> Where, um, if, you, if you ever come into Sheffield, um, and as you're coming in, uh, you look to your left, there's like a big like white pillar, and we're, we're there uh, next to that. So, yeah, we're, if you, we're real if, close to the city centre. You might be listening to this, and you might have happened to be on the 1140 uh, heading into Sheffield. Uh, you... you you dive-bombed and invaded the interview, so congratulations to you. It is yeah, a fantastic awesome. setup. I've seen it used in, in UK shows before. And yes. it's got, an, and I've heard it used, I've heard this, this, this used to describe it before, it's got an NWA power vibe to it. 100%. Oh, I really yeah. like, was that by design? Uh, yes, to an extent. So I work with uh, Nathan Black here uh, in terms of running PPW. And uh, a lot of that goes in credit to him as um, building and, and creating the, the studio environment that we've got. Stuff like the curtains, the lights, the signs, um, all that sort of stuff was was very intentional in that we wanted a space that felt as much like a show as possible. 
So then as people were getting ready to go out onto shows, it wasn't like this. Because I remember coming up and through and we train in a, in a gym and that's fine. But then it's like you step out into a show and that can be a totally different world for people. So it's just nice to give them that environment of, um, hey, this is here. And like you said, then we've had people down. We run our own little shows. We've got us first like ticketed show that's coming up in September as well. So it's it's all there to create as much of a, an in-house product as possible. I want to talk more about a PPW. I want to talk about the pursuit of your wrestling happiness, pun intended. And we're going to do so whilst talking about three wrestling matches, Liam, that you would watch while stranded on a desert island. Three matches that have a little significant place in your heart that you could happily watch over and over again if you needed to. We're going to go through them throughout our chat today, Liam. But what would you like your first one to be? Um, so, because I'm slightly pedantic, I've got a um, an honourable mention and then the actual choice that I'm making. So, for my first one, the honourable mention is um, John Cena and CM Punk from Money in the Bank 2011. Uh, my actual pick is uh, The Rock versus Austin, WrestleMania 17, oh. uh, 2001. So, um, I'm keen to know before you get into the weeds on why Austin Rock, because I love the stories when people, when some people have picked Austin Rock, every time it's slightly different. What just pipped the pit punk conceded to the post um so each of these matches that i've got has like a, a bit of a significance or at least like a reason why um this pick is very much my mainstream wwe um height of wrestling pick so in 2001 that was like my first sort of like real height of wrestling like i got in 2000 uh the first pay-per-view that i watched was no way out 2001 uh, which is the Rock and Kurt Angle with a dodgy finish. Although as a kid, I don't remember that dodgy finish. It's only when I go back and watch it afterwards. Um, but the whole lead into that, um, so it's been great listening to like the SmackDown Classic Review and and hearing you guys talk about the whole time period um, because I'm like, yep, yeah, I remember that and there's this and there's this. Um, so for me, it was very much like the height of my introduction into pro wrestling. I, and like looking back on it, I don't think there's any better way of coming in. I think it's genuinely like a peak of pro wrestling. Um, but that Rock and Austin match is just, it just summarizes everything that is in wrestling. Now, the reason, the reason why I also picked John Cena and CM Punk is because that was like my second stint coming back in. So I was just about to start pro wrestling training um in 2011 and the cm punk pipe bomb and stuff like that much like pretty much everybody most of the people at cultaholic also like attribute it as well it was a massive um a massive turning point for me of like oh wow this is like this is really fun and cool again and that match the whole environment a lot of what gravitates me towards wrestling is everything around the wrestling which is funny considering the postmodern pro wrestler um so it's the whole build to it. It's the fact that they're in Chicago and similar, it's the fact that they're in um, in Houston, right? In WrestleMania. Um, there's all these links, but yeah, the Rock Austin one just tips it because it's just, it, it's got the Limp Biscuit My Way promo and that's that's what I want to watch, basically. It's a little bit of fried gold, that is. The, the, oh, yeah. That promo that just brings it all together. Uh, incidentally, you mentioned, bless you, and thank you, you, you plugged the Coltonic Classic Smackdown review. We've worked at many shows together, you and I, Liam, and I remember you you tapped me on the shoulder once in, in whatever what North Wrestling calls the gorilla mm -hmm. position, and you mentioned, oh, that was funny this week when you said that. I must admit, Liam, I forget people. Listen, I... Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> just assume it's just me and Math just talking bollocks. Uh, so it's always, and then I go, oh, I should, if Liam's listening, I should try a bit harder on this. <laughs> no, no, I, I love it. And like, you know, it's a little bits of like the news around that time and what else is happening. Like, so I loved the invasion storyline because I was a kid and I was like, oh my God, like, what's happening? So it's been really interesting the past couple of months where that's been going on and all that sort of stuff. And now it, you're pretty much approaching the point where we've got the brand split that's happening and like all that side of stuff. And I'm like, I'm a, I bleed blue. I'm a SmackDown guy. <laughs> you'd have, you'd have been on the Smack, you'd have been one of the SmackDown six. I mean, that's a, that's a high point of wrestling for me. Um, I went back a, a while back and watched the, like, October 2000 and, 2003, I think, where Steph brings in, like, the tournament. I might be wrong on the date there. It might be 2002. 2002 but that, yeah. whole, that whole time period is just top-class pro wrestling television. You say you were a kid when that era was happening. Was this your, your first introduction to the world of wrestling through through WWE at this point, or had you discovered it a few years before? No, it was so I bizarrely started watching it because my dad, who wasn't really like into pro wrestling at all, had put it on the TV once and it, it was just something that, that caught me. And then we had Sky One, so I watched um I watched basically whatever was on Sky One in the morning, um, which was usually SmackDown or like SmackDown followed by Velocity. Then they had like SmackDown and um tough enough and like i i love that side of stuff and it became very much a thing that i did and watched um so then it was stuff like i'd get you know vhs's from like my nan who um my uncle like watched wrestling he was out of it so then i got given uh king of the ring 93 with like the the brett run through it um so there's all bits and pieces like that uh, my nan actually got me beyond the map when i was like Eight, because she's like, oh, it's a wrestling documentary. Here you go. <laughs> um, so then I sat and like, we were talking about this on the weekend of like all the moments and all the quotable things and like the Terry Funk, Mick Foley, like buckets of fire on the rope and me being eight being like, what's this? Um, so <laughs> I think that really pulled me in as well. But yes, that 2000, 2001 period was like my introduction into pro wrestling. I was all all WWF at the time. I watched one or two WCW shows, but I was very much like, I was The Rock. Um, Jeff Hardy factors into that. And then like sort of mid-card guys like a Scotty Too Hotty, who's on the show uh, this coming weekend. It was quite a nice chance for me to be on a show with him. Be like, oh, hey, this is a guy that I watched growing up. And he can't get over that. Whenever we spoke to him, he just, it's a, it's a real bit of pride for him that people who watched, his, watched him in WWF and danced along with him are bringing their kids so, yeah. so this is the guy I loved, and it's 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 great to do that when when you can dip back and arc back in the way that you do. Not everybody goes into it though. I mean, you watching Beyond the Mat and 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 watching Tough Enough as well would have clearly given away the fact that this ain't quote unquote real. And for some, that puts them off, and they go, "Ah, oh, it's not bothered then." But for some, that it's like wanting to enter the magic circle, and they go, "Oh, I want to know how they do that." Was that straight yeah. away with you? Like, I want to. Yeah, know how they do that. I, I can, I can never remember a point where I was like, "Oh, this is real." Like it, or it, it was just never a factor out of it. It was never this factor of like finding out that it was like fake. Um, and maybe that was because, like, in such a a young capacity, I was exposed to tough enough. And I remember I had, I had like a blow up chair in my room, which was very 2000s of me. Oh, yeah. um, 
And like episode one, they're doing the bumps. So I was on that, like doing the, the bumping motion because I was like, oh, this is how people land and stuff. Uh, and then the beyond the map thing, like I think could probably scar a lot of kids coming up because there's, there's some heavy, heavy stuff in it. Um, it just intrigued me even more. And then like to sort of go further past that of like seeing the weeds of pro wrestling. I remember when I was um, like 16, like end of high school, I went and watched uh, my mate's band playing like a pub somewhere. And I was like, that was fun for them. But God, I'd never want to do that. That was the worst. Like, I can't imagine like all that setup. But then we went and watched a wrestling show at the town hall, Clackeaton Town Hall. And there was not many people there. It was just a ring in the center. And I was like, this is the coolest fucking thing in the world. This is amazing. Like, I can't believe it. And to see those at both grassroots, while be- the idea of like a rock star and that sort of lifestyle is like, oh, that's pretty cool. The the weeds of it, I wasn't interested in. Whereas wrestling, top to bottom, I was like, this is cool. Like, I want to do this. Who are some of the names that you remember from that that town hall show that really piqued Re- your interest? Not many at all. Um, I, I, Playboy something was a name that I recall. I'm, I want to say we had a UK Undertaker on there, but wow. I don't quote me on that. And then there was a dude, I forget his name, he was an MC, but I met him again at like um, a show up in Whitehaven that I did. And I was like, you were that dude that was at this show. So I'm pretty sure it was like a McGregor touring show. But again, don't quote me on that because it, <laughs> it was just a, a show that happened in Clackeaton Town Hall that was like a fiver at the time. I don't think people truly appreciate outside of this green and pleasant land the joy that the UK WWF tributes brought. Like, I, I want to do like a documentary on like the UK Undertaker and I want to find UK Rock. I want to find the guy that played the LOD that I went to go and see live once. Just one guy playing playing both Hawk and Animal. Like, that's yeah, the joy you know in it. They, they probably stuck around for like years afterwards, but like just never spoke about it. And because like social media and the internet were like wasn't as prevalent as it was now, nobody's like capturing footage of it and stuff. So just it just happened and it was there. But yeah, there's, I mean, there's probably still people kicking around that, that they're like, well, I was the rock, but just don't want to <laughs> don't want to say it. I was expat. Here's a question that that you would probably have never been asked in an interview ever. It's just popped into my mind, Palace, right? Should that glorious era come round once again, which WWE star would you be a UK tribute to? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Are we talking modern day? I'm going to let you choose either modern day or a legend. Okay, cool. Um, Modern day, I'm a little bit more iffy on, just because I'm so in and out of like... Because I watch so much stuff that, like, pinpointing into WWE, I'm not entirely sure on. Um, I don't know, like, the Kevin Owens thing, like, it would be quite fun. Like, again, he just wears shorts, doesn't he? So I'm like, cool. Yeah. The, first, the first guy that wears uh, the first guy that wears shorts, I'll take that. Um, <laughs> uh, but I also think that he's very good at telling story, and there's quite some, like, there's some definitive stuff that he does in there. The Miz would be fun, actually. You know what? No, like... Just being a heel and just, you know, playing up to and doing all that sort of stuff, I'll take that. Uh, and then back in the day, um, I like a Malenko. If it's not obvious through, like, my wrestling, like, I do like a Malenko. Now, that wouldn't get over in a tribute show, but it's, <laughs> it's something that I'd like to do. Like, I know I, don't know. I think UK Dean Malenko might sell out yeah. a couple of, couple of town halls. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. UK Malenko. Uh, 
so you've discovered it, you've fallen in love with it. Now, mm-hmm. Liam Lazarus, your first persona, comes from Batman. Uh-huh. It's a Batman yeah. comic that inspired the name. Are you a comic book guy, Liam? Do you know what? No, not really. Um, it was during a time period of like a high school and college where I sort of got into it a little bit and started reading a little bit more and picked up a couple of magazines here and there. So it was just on the on the table that I had in my room where I had like my gaming set up and, and that because it was in WH Smith and I picked up Fighting Spirit magazine. And I was like, ah, I'll pick up this as well. Because um, a lot of stuff that I was reading was like on my phone. Um, but I was like, ah, I'll pick this up. And it just happened to be in there and Lazarus was there. And I was like, ah, oh, that, that's alliteration, is that? And it has a Z in it. So cool, I'll, I'll take that. So that's where it comes from. It's not that I'm a, a massive comic book guy. There's certain elements of it. The Spider-Man animated series, I love. Um, and the games that are like in and around that time period for the PS1. Um, and yeah, it was more the animated series of stuff that I was into. And then I tried comic books. It was just too big of a world that I just couldn't dive into as much as I wanted to. I find that they're so far gone now that you, you yeah. it takes ages just to even know where to begin, which is infuriating for new people. Yeah. Um, we move on with your career. You're on your bus on the way to uni and Venga Boys, We Like to Party comes on the Venga bus literally on the Venga bus. Yeah. Um, now, this became your theme music, and you've said in other interviews, everybody else is using rock. I want to do yeah. something different. Had it not been Venga Boys for your theme music, sir, what what would it have been? What other songs were, were, were Plan B and Plan C? <laughs> it was just... It was just rock stuff. Like I was, I was my own worst enemy of like everybody's using rock songs, but I was also using it. Um, there was a band called Bastions, um, who were like a Welsh band that supported Gallows, um, that had like a pretty cool song. The build to it, I listened back to it now, and I'm like, that had never worked because the build to it was really long. But I was like, oh, that sounded really cool. Um, and I used um, Fat Lip by Some Forty One a couple of times because that actually has a better drop to it, and I quite liked it. Neither of them say anything about me and who I am and how I wrestle, but they were just cool songs that I thought were cool at the time. It was one of those things, was it, where everybody was using rock music at wrestling. Yeah. Like, it was that's, That was all it was. And and whilst you got a bit of blowback, I like the fact that you went, well, no, I want to stand out and be different. Yeah. And like that helped me immensely, because then I was um, just a different person overall. I, it, and then we went from, right, cool, I'm coming out to this, to then now I'm um, using that in my wrestling. Now this is building a character around it. Now people remember me, so then they want to see me coming back and all these little bits and pieces. And then promoters are like, this is a really fun character. Let's have this on the show. So, yeah, it was just a, it was a choice by me to go, let me try and do something different. And it was massively helpful because then it allowed me to, to break off and, and do different things and be a different person. Had it not been wrestling, what would it have been for you, Liam? It was always wrestling. Um, now, no had, I not been, had I not been a wrestler, there would have been different things. But everything that I chose throughout uh, my GCSEs, college, uni, was all in the back of my head going, this is probably going to be helpful for wrestling in some respect. So um, media studies was about branding and um drama was about being able to act and stuff like that then when it came to my a levels again there was media because it was branding and there was english because it was about writing promos and being able to write and stuff like that um i did broadcast journalism at university because i was interested in i've always been interested in camera work and filming and, and editing and all that sort of stuff which has come in massively helpful uh, over the years um 
but it was always a case of cool. If I can't be in wrestling, I will find another way into wrestling. I would imagine that if I hadn't have been a wrestler, I would probably be working alongside you in some format of within wrestling. Like I look at cultaholic and what they do and like that sort of stuff and, and with what culture as well. And I go, yeah, that's probably what I would have done. I would have just been writing about it. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We've got to get to your second match, yeah. Liam. Uh, Rock Austin, X7, my way or the highway. Has to have the promo. Uh, plus the, oh yeah, yeah, you'll have the promo. Uh, Perfect. Stuck onto the front. Uh, but how about the second match? What would you like it to be, Liam? Cool. So second match, again, um, honourable mention um, is basically any Marty Jones and Rollerball Rocco match. <laughs> yes. Um, and then the my actual pick is uh, Jim Breaks and Adrian Street, I believe, from 1972, but it's online somewhere. I just can't find a, a pinpoint year out of it, but that, that was what I assumed it was. Um, World of Sport era. I love World of Sport. I think it's fantastic. Um, I, I just I love everything about it. I love the way that people use the rules. I love the way that the audiences. I love the way that it's shot. I love the commentary out of it. Um, for Jim Breaks and Adrian, Adrian Street, uh, Ken Walton refers to them both as uh, rule breakers, rule benders, and they, uh, they they use the rules to their own advantage. Um, so it's these two characters that should be sort of like on the same team, but they're having to wrestle. It's a catchweight contest, um, which means that there's different weights in play as well. Um, and it's just a lovely wrestling match where there's a physicality to it, but he never loses the grace of it. Um, Adrian Street's got his quite flamboyant gimmick. Um, Jim's just starting to get into like his crybaby stuff and he's interacting with the audience and the referee. Um, it ends up being a draw. Um, Jim Breaks gets on the Jim Breaks special. And in the last round, um, Adrian Street hooks in like this, um, basically like a big glam slam lift. Um, and that ends it in like a draw where they've both got like one fall apiece where I think a lot of people look at that and go, oh, there's not a winner. I love that about British wrestling uh, and the world of sport, Lord Mount Evers rules. Like I love that it can go to a draw or it can be like someone's like 
um, you know, had a TKO because they've fallen out of the ring and they can't continue. And then it just allows these stories to build and build and build. Um, it's it's probably about 30 minutes or just under 30 minutes. It flies by. It absolutely flies by. The one in particular, the one um, which you speak of, which is it's rare in the sense that it's, as you say, as 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 Ken Walton said, it's two rule breakers. It's a very, yeah. very rare heel versus heel encounter uh, for World of Sport. But there's a different energy to this particular one because it starts off as your atypical uh, World of Sport match, which is which is slow and methodical and streets being quite uh, quite flamboyant and eccentric. Yeah. Within the last five minutes, like he's doing these arm breakers, like he's trying to snap Jim breaks his arm off. Yeah, and, and it's with like a, 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 and it's just before they do the, the as you say the glam slam bit where he lifts him up. But there's a, there's a ferocity that wouldn't be out of place in 2023 in a yeah. match like that. Yeah, I think there's so much of like the world of sport era where you can look at, and again, that's why like an honourable mention is like Marty and and Rocco where those matches that they're having would exist now, like they would be, they wouldn't be out of place on any show now. And I agree, like the intensity that, um, that breaks and street work up to is just like next level stuff. It's, um, it's ridiculously high. And, uh, and again, wouldn't look out of place in modern wrestling. What I've loved about doing this show is speaking to American uh, professional wrestlers who discovered World of Sport quite late and had their minds blown by it. Guys like Cole Cabana, who's been on, and Sugar Dunkerton, who've been on, who got like massive DVD compilations of these World of Sport matches. And you can see in the matches that they had that followed, massively influenced by it. This is, this is now you're at a point with, with training as well for the next generation. Are you pushing them to watch matches like this as well? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got like a big TV up in uh, in PPW, um, and quite often, like I'll just have some running in the background, or we'll use it as match study, and then we'll be we'll talk about like the differences out of it. And I'll often like pick up on the fact that there's certain rules and and reasons as to why certain things are happening. Um, so we're not just watching it and going like, "Oh, that's a cool move," but we're watching it and going, "What is the context that they're working in?" That then allows people to take bits and not just run a carbon copy but try and take bits and make it their own in a, in a modern world of professional wrestling. Uh, but yeah, like I, I often talk about it when I, when I talk about the, um, the realism of professional wrestling. You've been a part of some major British wrestling institutions and, and quiet revolutions over the last 10 years or so. Uh, one of those being WCPW, which is a conversation mm-hmm. that comes up a lot uh, within the walls of Cultaholic for obvious reasons. Yeah, uh, we've yeah. had guys like HT Drake on the show and Prince Amin, uh, Rory Coyle, who are part of WCPW and Defiant, and obviously the lads are here who worked on it as well. Uh, the main memory of it being, from the wrestler's point of view, like a, a sense of shock as to how big this actually was. What were your yeah. sort of res? Um, what were your initial thoughts going into WCPW, and what were they as you were working more and more with them? Um, so I was, uh, I think, like most of the wrestlers, I was a little bit blind to what what culture was. Mm. Um, like again, I've spoken to Amin and. and and HD Drake, where they were like, we didn't know what it was. And then it just started happening. So similar to Drake, I was on the production side of stuff as well as being an in-ring wrestler. Um, so I was seeing a lot of like the backstage elements that happened to it. 
So the first taping that happens where they're in the warehouse, the small little warehouse, I'm there like ringing the bell because I'm there for the production and like the stage and stuff like that. So to see it grow from that to then go to the O2 where I was like, I was on it and then to the, like the ice arenas was an incredible, um, an incredible build that was all a bit surreal of how quickly it was happening. You could understand why it was happening because of the following they had. Um, but yeah, it was, it was mental to see how quickly it grew, but totally not knowing what, what, what culture was and sort of, undermining it in a sense of going like who are these people but actually I, I think one of the I don't want to say mistakes but one of the things that ended up happening that shouldn't have happened was the reduction of the what culture personalities in ring they then went ah oh, we'll take a big step back out of it and actually that was what a lot of people that were there for was to meet like guys like Pachiti and Jack and Ross, you know, so without them, that show wouldn't have been anywhere near what it was. The hope was always that, that it would be, it existed its own, its own universe. And they never quite got to that point because as you say, everybody was there to see there was wrestling, of course, but then the personalities as well. How did you find that your stock changed as a wrestler being part of WCPW on a regular basis? Um, do you know what? It's funny. At the time, I probably didn't feel it um, during that point in time as well. Like from a from a wrestling point, and I know we've probably spoke about this in the past as well on like the the North one. Um, as I was coming to like the back end of like my first stint within wrestling, I was getting real burnt out, and I was like, I, I just wasn't having a fun time with it. Um, and then needed to to come away and sort of reset and and evaluate everything that I was doing. But during that point in time with the what culture stuff, I was just sort of moving through it. And I was just like, you know, I was doing the production. We were putting the, the stage and the lights and all that sort of stuff up. I was wrestling people and then we were taking it down again. It doesn't matter that I was wrestling people that were on like a high end and a high profile. Um, I just wasn't thinking on that line. Now I look back on it and I go, wow, what a what an experience. And I speak to people about it here. And that's usually one of the things that people come in with is that they don't know who I am. And they go, so I searched you. And you've wrestled this person, this person, this person. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah I did. Um, so it's it's been helpful for me in the long run. At the time, I wasn't really thinking about it. And I could have done more to capitalize on it. I absolutely could have done. I just didn't. Uh, and that's on me. Uh, but now I look at it and I go, I, I'm grateful for the opportunity and the experience. I loved it. Like looking back on it at some of my favorite times within wrestling all revolve around what culture and the ridiculous long days that we did. Um, if it's true what people when people say to you oh i've searched you and you wrestle all these people if you search liam slater on youtube you won't take you too long to find a, a banger that you had with cody rhodes who's very yeah. much wrestling zeitgeist at the moment um I, i'd ask like if there are any any thoughts and memories of working with cody but like as you say there was a, a big part of that time where you were to quote yourself just then going through it yeah uh, yeah like i would love to talk a bit more about and I'd love to remember more about like the planning process of it and like, and that time, and I should have taken more opportunity to like pick his brains and, you know, and there's a bunch of people that I wish I'd have now looking back gone, you should be speaking to those people more and you should like make a little bit more effort in terms of, you know, getting to know them a little bit more, but that's, that's me and I hold my hands up to it. And I go, for me, a lot of what I was doing was about making the show happen in terms of making sure a set was ready and making sure the lights were ready and making sure that everything was packed up at the end of the night. Um, I just so happened to get the experience and the opportunity to work with those people alongside of it. But admittedly, I should have been more selfish in a sense and, and taken advantage of the people that I was in the ring and working with and made 
like better connections, but that also wouldn't have led me to being here. And I feel incredibly fulfilled about being at PPW. So there's ups and downs and twos and fro's from it. Every decision. What is it? My my mum said once. And it always stuck with me. Is that you never make a wrong decision? No. Yeah. Absolutely not. And like you know, it's all led to this point and and how we move through into it. And it's just happy days. Um. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you um. You you took time away from wrestling. I think you, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, you got you got burnt out by a lot of it. And I think when you're running a wrestling, when you're helping to run a wrestling show, and then oh yeah, boy, now I've got to have this match with Cody, or whatever. Then you're gonna get burnt out if you're doing everything all the time. Was there a moment that you can recall, like a the the, the metaphorical straw that broke the back, where you went, right, that's it, I need to step away now. Was there a no, particular- like? Uh, there was uh, there was a, a ton of personal stuff that was going on like in the background of everything at, at the same time, which wasn't helpful at all. So it was very much like, uh, right, I'm probably going to come away from this now for for the sake of everybody and for the sake of what was what, what was happening. I was like, yeah, we need to take a step away from it. Um, it it was just one of those ones. I look back on it and I think that was a, a hard decision at the time that actually ended up being a, a blessing because it allowed me to come away and do personal training. Um, and have an experience in like trying to build a, a business that was my own and understanding about like finance and stuff like that, that then has massively helped with running PPW where I work with in parentheses clients, like I was doing with personal training um, and, you know, how we make sure that everybody that comes in like feels fulfilled and whatever they're aiming to get towards, we're helping them push forward into it. So it wasn't necessarily that there was a moment that I was like, right, I'm done. I need to step away. It was just a, a build of of everything that was like okay this is this is a point for me to come away from rather than trying to stick it out do you fear that burnout will come round again and if so what measures are you putting in place to prevent it um no i don't think it will in a sense um mainly because i've got like a i've got a better grasp on it when i'm older and i'm, I'm more mature so like i've got a better like handle on, on what i'm doing um Also, it comes from like a personal point of view. So a lot of the burnout that I was feeling, a lot of the the inside stuff that I was feeling that I never really like recognized until I came away from it was the fact that I was quite jealous and bitter of like a lot of people that were out and about doing stuff. Never mind the fact that I'm getting to wrestle all these cool people. Never mind the fact that we're doing like Butlins runs where like I'm wrestling in front of like nearly 2,000 people on pretty much a daily basis. Um, I'm not doing enough. And other people are doing more than me. And they're going over there and they've got this shot and they're doing this cool thing that's over on Twitter and I'm not. Um, And I didn't have the mindfulness or the outlook to go, what I'm doing is really cool and that's fine if they're doing other things because they're allowed to do other things. And they are also probably looking at me and going, well, he's doing this and this and this. Um, So part of that, of me not having that, is to be able to recognize that People have different goals, ambitions, drives, putting in more time, more effort to get into places, just having better connections, being in a different location. There's a lot of bits that come into it that I'm now more mature that I can recognize and that I try and help like bring down through into, into the people that I train with on a regular basis of being like, hey, it's cool if you don't want to do these things. No worries. Like Some other people are going to get further. That's because they're doing different things than you. Well, that sort of bleeds into something I was going to ask you as we come to uh, setting up PPW. Uh, as a trainer, what piece of, ad- of you've given one there, but what other pieces of advice are you giving your trainees that you wish somebody would have given you? Um, sort of on a similar line that like, 
you know, your life doesn't have to revolve around wrestling. I get people that come in that want to be top end pro wrestlers. I get people that come in that might just want to do a show once. And that's absolutely fine. And what I try to avoid doing is putting my attention and effort all into the people that want to get further because the people that maybe just want to do a show or just want to come down and just enjoy the atmosphere that we've got here. And it's a, a couple of hours out of their week that they get to be somebody else or they don't have to be a dad or a worker or a mom that they can just go, cool, I'm a, I'm a pro wrestler for a couple of hours. Awesome. Like I want to give them the same time. That's also for me to go, hey, just because these dudes are off doing this doesn't mean that you have to do that as well. Um, and another bit is trying to find trying to find out who people are and what people do and then how they wrestle around that, which again, I feel like has been something that I sort of missed out on was right. Who are you? Like it was just sort of left out to us. Whereas I think that is helpful for them framing people to go do this stuff. Don't do this stuff. um, And they get more out of it from that. What's a piece of advice that you could give up and coming wrestlers that they should action now? Um, from past experience and stuff like that, I genuinely, I think networking in terms of get, if you want to go out and do shows, get out to those shows. Um, I also think what is helpful and it's something that I talk about to people here and we're quite fortunate that we get people coming from different areas, go to different schools and train at different schools and train at different schools that are completely outside of your area. Um, because then you end up meeting a completely different group of people that are in a different area that then opens out for more shows and stuff like that. If you get stuck with one within one area, you don't grow outside of it. And if you want to grow outside of it, if you want to be somebody that's around the UK and wrestling it absolutely everywhere, then you have to go and put yourself out there. Now, if you're quite happy with doing a show once a month, which is in the local area, and that's that's fulfilling to you. Awesome. Absolutely fantastic. Let's put as much effort as we can into that show. If you want to be out everywhere, I would say that try and train as many places as you can in different areas because then you get to meet plenty of different people. There's, there is such a cross-section of people who do it now. And, and the fact mm. that you're putting that out there is great because you will have been part of that early school of thought where there'd be training schools that would go, no, you either train here or you don't, you can't go anywhere else. There was a real protectiveness. Why was that just down? Was that a money thing? Was that, was a, was that a money driven thing? Liam? Yeah. It's, it's a scarcity. Like it's, mm-hmm. um, or the, the fear of scarcity in that, Hey, I've got this person. So now I don't want to lose them. Um, which I think is, is silly because there's more than enough people that, are in with wrestling and the more that you make everybody feel good and, and special in who they are as a person coming in, the more likely they are to stick around and, and do more. Um, but I do think it's a, it, it's a very much just a scarcity thing or was a scarcity thing. It was also that the schools were then putting on their own shows and needed people for that. So if people go out and do other stuff, they're not going to be available for that. Or they go out and do other stuff and they suddenly go, hey, I've got a bit of worth around me. So like, maybe I'd need this. And then it's like, oh, well, that money's not there and available for it. So then they go, just stay with us and stay tight. And also it's a fear of probably some of the coaches going, damn, like, if they go out and get better than me, then why would they come and wrestle with me? Not thinking there's so much more to it than that. I've got a bunch of people that come down that I'm like, you're way better than me. Um, 
which is cool because then they can also help, um, you know, and then we work together and I might say one bit and they might say another bit. And it's all these bits that come together that builds everybody up and then builds the people who are lower than them. But again, it's a scarcity mindset more than anything else. But that's a great pride to have people, you know, to, to grow trees that you know you'll sit under the shade of, as they say. To, to, oh, yeah, to, have, to have that talent that you know are going to go above and beyond and do great things. Uh, and uh, I want to talk about one of those, and I want to talk about North Wrestling. But before we do, your third and final match, Liam. So we yes, had um... uh, Austin Rock. Uh, we had uh, a banger from the World of Sport days with Adrian Street and Brakes and Jim Brakes. What's your third and final one, sir? Um, so again, honourable mention would probably be to any of the Motor City Machine Guns and um, at the time, Generation Me, Young Bucks uh, matches from TNA. Um, I'd be amiss if I didn't mention Alex Shelley within this at some point. Um, the match that I would pick is um, Golden Lovers versus Apollo 55. I believe Destruction 2010. Um, I believe it won like match of the year or like tag match of the year or something like that. Um now, funnily enough, I've not watched it in in years because I wasn't able to find it. It was on a website and then it disappeared from the website. So part of it would be to be able to go back and watch it. I just remember again, it like probably watched it in like 2011, just as I was getting like back into the swing of things with like punk and stuff like that. I was trying to discover more bits um, and just Devitt, who's Balor at the time. Sorry. Balor, who was Devitt at the time, was unbelievable. Um, Taguchi was real fun. And then Kenny and Ibushi just working together. And the synchronicity and like the 450 miss to turn and roll was just, it blew my mind. It absolutely blew my mind. That team, uh, Omega and Ibushi, are, are something else. Uh, I'm gobsmacked we've not seen them on AEW yet. There's rumors that it's on the horizon, but yes. I'm surprised you haven't seen it yet. No, I, I am. And again, like, just the the creativity and the innovation and for somebody that was at that point in time watching mostly WWE getting into a little bit of like US indie stuff PWG and ROH to then see that New Japan tag match which uh, um, I wasn't massively in on New Japan didn't know much about it it was this whole different experience and world and just it just blew my mind for lack of a better term You've you've done so much in your in your time in wrestling. Um, would there is Japan still something on your radar? Um, not so much. Look, I I definitely wouldn't turn down like opportunities to go. I would love to train out there, um, and you know, and pick up experience that way out of it. Um, I think there are people that are on the come up that would need, or not need, sorry, would be better suited to go to Japan and would get more out of it for the longevity of their career. Um, that if it was a choice, I would say you go. But if I could go, I absolutely would do. It's the same thing with America. Um, it's the same thing with like going out to Europe and stuff like that. If I got the opportunity to do it, I absolutely would do. I also think there's, there's people that would benefit from those experiences way more. Um, and I'm not, I wouldn't want to take that away from them. What if you could? What if they could both go? You and <laughs> the other hey, people. Absolutely. If we could all go, <laughs> great. That'd be awesome. Um, you know, again, like a lot of what I do is is here and that time and availability. Um, sort of. I don't want to say eats it up. I love being here. Um, but if it was like, hey, you've got three, four weeks to go out there, I would have to put the um, 
we'd have to put the onus on this and go, no, this comes first, PPW comes first, uh, above my extra learning that goes into it. Uh, let's talk uh, one of the other places that's very close to your heart, which is North Wrestling in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. Yes. Uh, your comeback was uh, part as part of North Wrestling. You, you'd made the decision to come back just as the pandemic hit. Yeah, so yeah. As, you know, 10 on 10 for timing. But as soon as the world got back to normal, here you were uh, front and centre part of North Wrestling. You've said in previous conversations that... North Wrestling has been a place where you've had your highest points and your lowest points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there a particular low point and is there a particular high point? Yeah, um, so probably t- two low points, and this has nothing to do with the people. This is this is all on me. Um, but that return um, in 2020, which was the – it was a tag match – I want to say it was me and Connor Renshaw. No, Shreddy was in there. Connor Renshaw was in there, and there was somebody else that we thought. Was it Alex Henry? It was Alex Henry. It was this. This was the one where this was at the Riverside. Yes. And you appear on the balcony. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry. So that was that was the actual return one. That was in December. Right. Um, I was like a surprise entry for. It was me, Rory, and New Nation against um, Shreddy, uh, Landon Gentry, um, Cruz. Yes, and Nathan Cruz was in there as well. So there was that one where I appear, and then this was sort of like my return one. But I, I was just like, I don't really know where I fit in with any of this. I, like, I was a bit lost in that. And then obviously we went into pandemic and all that stuff happened. Then in terms of recent, well, no, it's not recently at all now. It's it's a, a, over a year plus. Um, there was a submissions match with HT Drake that I should have gone into and being fine and got brain fog just got in the match and was like I don't know what I'm doing um, and was really unhappy with like the outcome of it in terms of my performance from there and again me and Bowers sat down afterwards and we were talking about stuff and where we need to go out of it and it was just a catalyst for me to go I need to pull my finger out I need to work out exactly what I want to do or at least start moving in that direction um, so that as a low point led me into the high points um, in terms of high points this title run I think has been like a complete like a high for me in terms of wrestling, in terms of what I'm capable of doing uh, and the matches that I've had. Obviously, the match with Rory was something that I like. I'll I'll remember forever as like the the story that we put into it. Uh, but every match along the way has been a real like a nice testament to me that I can get in there with like the world's best and and have good wrestling matches. And it's been all shapes and sizes, as we've seen. Mm-hmm. It says, and are you particularly at home wrestling a particular style, or is to quote Shawn Michaels your style, whatever you want it to be? Yeah, so I like I do have a particular style. I think this is where like the postmodern pro wrestler stuff kicks in, is because really the the whole point of the character is to be in with different styles to then see how I combat those styles. So it's not just like me against somebody it's me having to work out how do i how do i out wrestle them and how do i win this match from different shapes and sizes and, and all that sort of stuff so i don't think i have a, a particular match that i work best in um it's just that i enjoy wrestling different different people different shapes different sizes it's all fun you've been all over the the, the country uh, as part of so many different wrestling promotions but why why out of all of them does North wrestling feel like home. Um, look, I'd be amiss to say like 
it, it's probably the place that has put the most amount of time into me and that I've given the most amount of time to. Um, there's been other places that I've sort of had that similar run, but none that I've really been able to go, cool, this is who I am. At the points where I went, yeah, I'm totally locked in on this. Um, so obviously I have a lot of time and love for NGW and like I had a great run there, but that was very much like me being brought in as a plucky underdog trainee and the build through that. Um, I had a great time at title wrestling, um, and that, but that was very much me going, here's this Venger Boy stuff. And it being a local promotion, they were like, yeah, cool, we're going to do more with you. Whereas we know if I feel like I've had that chance to grow, develop, and sort of reach final, in quotation marks, final forms of being a wrestler. And we see it every single time you walk out at North Wrestling. Uh, this Saturday, you walk out to the biggest crowd in North history uh, for Thunderstruck at the Walker Dome. You're in there with Leon Slater, number one contender, who... You am I right in thinking that you met when Leon was ten? No, so Leon started when he was ten. Started um, when he was ten. Ten years I, old to start wrestling, though. <laughs> mad times, yeah, yeah. Um, I I met Leon just as I was coming back through into wrestling. I was vaguely aware of who he was, um, but just as I was kicking back in again was when I met him because we were training down at UKW and he was there. So I probably met him when he was 15, I think. Um, yeah, and I was just instantly taken by him and, and how he moved around and just the ease of everything that was happening. Um, and that was at a very early stage in his process. When we opened up this, there was a couple of lads that I, met, that I messaged like to go, please, please just come and train with me. Um, and Leon was one of those guys. What has been some of the things that you have helped Leon Hone as part of PPW? Um, look, Leon's extremely talented, one of the most talented guys that I know. I think part of it has been a case of both me and Nathan helping develop who he is as a person and trying to go, hey, make sure that we're exuding these positives and taking away from these, um, not that he really has any negatives at all, but trying to highlight his positives more than anything else. Um you know, him being around me from an early point of like going to shows and stuff like that, just having the links at like a North and, um, and other places where it's allowed him to get in and, and get in the ring with, with people has been really helpful in terms of like the in-ring training. More just a case of taking his ideas and going, what about this little tweet to it? Or just having a chance to run them and going, yeah, that works or that doesn't work. Um, and just allowing his confidence to come through. It's one thing to headline a show like the one on Saturday as the North Wrestling Champion, the company very much upon your shoulders, sir. But you're across the ring from somebody who uh, you, you've you trained, who has been a part of, of, of PPW. Does does the pressure hit different on this one? Um, yeah, I'd be lying if, you, if I said it didn't. Um, I, I want to go in there, and much as my mantra is with two wrestlers that are going to have a wrestling match. But there is a lot of emotion that rides into it. There is a lot of stuff that I want to make sure, like, hits correctly. Um, and just more than anything, I want to make sure that it's a match, not just for me, but for North and for, for Leon as well, um, regardless of whatever happens in it. I wanted to, and so is my mantra for a lot of the stuff that I'm doing at the moment. 
I want people to look back on it in years gone by, like I look back at wrestling and go, that was good and that was fun, and that that was interesting, that built nicely there. Um, I want I want these matches that I've been doing and specifically this one to be one that people look back on and they see they see the stuff in it and they see the story in it and they see the Easter eggs in it and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a night Saturday and it's Liam Slater versus Leon Slater at the very top of North Wrestling Thunderstruck. Uh, Liam Slater, the reigning North Wrestling champion, continues uh, to, to do great things with the future at PPW. If there's one piece of advice that you could go back and tell your former, your, your younger self, Liam, so let's go back. We're on the bus to uni. Venga Boys is playing in your headphones and you can take up the seat next to the younger version of yourself and offer a piece of advice going forward, what would that advice be? Do you know what? It's a difficult one because I don't, while well, I look at it and I go, oh, that could have been different and that could have been different and this could have happened differently. Um, it's all sort of led me to this point. Um, probably invest in better gear because it, it, took a, it took a long while. It, probably take your diet more seriously because I, I definitely didn't and invest in better gear to look more like a professional wrestler. Care more about social media, probably, as well. It's going to be handy, and I just, I, I still don't, so maybe I should just sit next to myself now and, and tell myself that now as well. Well, promise me when I share a clip of this, you'll at least hit retweet on it. I, I absolutely will do. <laughs> yeah. And like as well. Yeah, oh, we'll get a like as well! Hey, if this goes any longer, we'll get a bookmark too. Maybe something on threads. Uh, <laughs> Liam Slater. I'm, I'm probably not going to do threads, but here we are. I say that. I'll be on it in a couple of years. You'll, when you'll be there. We'll all be there. I get out on threads like nothing happened. That and When MySpace comes back around again, we'll be there too. MySpace is a one. I'm there for it. MySpace oh. and Bebo. Give me that back and I'm good to go. <laughs> Where can people find you? Maybe not on MySpace, but across the internet uh, if they um, want to keep in touch with you, sir. Twitter is Liam underscore SLTR. Um... Instagram is similar, but there's no um, underscore in there as well. Basically, type in Liam Slater and I'll come up. Um, I'm on YouTube as well. Like if you type in Liam Slater versus, I come up quite a lot. And then we've got Pursuit Pro Wrestling as well, which is on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok as well. Um, or Pursuit Pro Wrestling. Uh, we do some cool content stuff. Next time I see the whites of your eyes, it'll either be behind the scenes or in the centre of the Walker Dome. So. For now, I will say the reigning, defending, undisputed North Wrestling Champion, a postmodern professional wrestler, Liam Slater. Thank you for joining us on Cultaholic Island. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate your time. Thank you. I'll do it with a bit more gusto on Saturday. <laughs> no problem at all. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 